Artemi Panarin and Adam Fox are both All-Stars, and they are both joining Igor Shosturkin at the All-Star game this season, giving the Rangers three representatives, and we will talk all about that on today's show. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 755 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. And today we will indeed be talking about Artemi Panarin and Adam Fox, both earning uh, well-deserved all-star nods, and they will represent the Rangers playing for the uh, Metro Division team at the All-Star game. They will join Igor Shosturkin, who was already announced as an All-Star. Got to talk about Panarin and Fox and the kind of seasons that they're having and uh, why they're deserving of being there. Also going to discuss the Rangers making a recent transaction that involves activating one player from the IR and uh, sending another player uh, onto waivers. And we'll see what the fate of that player is, but we'll talk all about that uh, a little bit later in today's episode. And as we guessed in our most recent episode, which uh, involved us talking about uh, the 3-1 loss to the Boston Bruins, the Rangers have indeed uh, shuffled the deck once again and have new line combinations, so we will talk about that as well. But let's start uh, once again with Panarin and then Fox. We'll talk about each player making the all-star team well-deserved for each of them. Uh, I think it's also worth pointing out before we get into the details there. Rangers, one of only two teams in the NHL uh, that has three All-Stars this season. The other team is the Edmonton Oilers, of course, McDavid and Dreisaitl, and also goalie Stuart Skinner. So the Rangers obviously uh, in a pretty exclusive club, you know, this this season as, as far as how many players are signed to the All-Star game. But let's start with uh, Artemi Panarin here. Panarin now in year four with the New York Rangers, uh, back in the All-Star game for the first time since his first season with the Rangers. Uh, that season, he had 95 points in 69 games, this year, not producing points at quite as high of a, of a clip, but still uh, some great numbers here. 46 games, 12 goals, 35 assists. So he's got 47 points in 46 games. Uh, two of his goals have come on the power play. 16 of his assists have also happened on the power play. And uh, as far as his 47 points in 46 games, I mean, most players in this league would sign up for that in about two seconds. With Panarin, it almost sounds a little bit underwhelming because you know he just just set the bar so high for himself over the years here, and that's actually his uh, lowest output or his lowest points per game uh, in any of the four seasons that he has spent with the New York Rangers. So when you're at a point per game and uh, it's a little bit subpar, at least by your own lofty standards, you know you're having a, a heck of a career for yourself. So uh, obviously, uh, you know, Panarin once again getting it done for the Rangers. Uh, this was interesting, though. Also a minus five. And Panarin, before this season, has never been any worse than a plus eight at any point in his career as far as plus minus is concerned. And of course, you know, plus minus, not the be all end all, but it's still a stat that I think is uh, worth at least you know, looking at from time to time. Uh, his shooting percentage is just 9.8% this season, which is also a new career low, or at least it would be if, you know, that's where he ends up at the end of the season. But he's averaging 20 minutes, 25 seconds of ice time, which is the second most of his career. Uh, seven block shots, 17 hits. You know, he's working with Vincent Trocek this season. Obviously, I think the two of them are, are still kind of getting acclimated to each other and developing that chemistry. I, I think it is something of a, uh, a work in progress. Uh, something that we will talk about later in today's episode, though, is that the Rangers have, again, shuffled the deck 
as it pertains to their line combinations. And as things stand right now, uh, you will have a top line of Panarin, Mika, and Kreider. But like I said, we will save most of that talk uh, for later in the episode. But, you know, Panarin's Panarin. He's one of those guys that you know, every time he's on the ice, every time he's got the puck on his stick, you feel like he's dangerous. Um, his passing is second to none. I put him right up there with uh, anybody in this league, anybody on this planet, in terms of you know the kind of passes that he can make uh, during the course of a hockey game. Obviously, sees the ice very well, fits the uh, the puck through some passing windows that don't look like they're they're there. You know, guys can look like they're not open, and he'll pass them open. You know, that that's usually a phrase that we uh, use for the NFL. You know, quarterbacks can. You know, if you're in the NFL, you got to throw your guys open sometimes. Panarin can pass guys open sometimes. I mean, he's that good, really can thread the needle uh, when it comes to his passing and when it comes to, you know, fitting the puck through some pretty tight windows. Uh, something else that I like about Panarin this year and, and something that I think has been on display basically ever since the Rangers have come out of that awful funk that they were in at the start of the season is that he certainly seems to be shooting more often. And there are stats to back that up as well. Um, you know, with Panarin, as I just mentioned, he's such a fantastic passer that you almost have mixed feelings on it, you know, but bottom line, the Rangers over the years, and I think at times this season, uh, selfless to a fault is the phrase that I've always used. And I think Panarin has kind of fallen into that as well at times. So it's nice to see him being a little bit more uh, willing, ready and able to shoot the puck. And he's doing it a little bit more often, um, you know, there was a situation in that game against Boston. You know, I went back and I counted how many straight passes that the Rangers made. They were down three to one, about a minute 20 to go, and they passed it 16 consecutive times, uh, you know, while trailing by two goals and a minute 20 to go. So uh, it's a team that in general needs to shoot a little bit more, but Panarin is shooting a little bit more, and there's a stat to back it up as well. Uh, as of now, Panarin has 122 shots on goal. And he's got a pretty good chance to get to 200 shots for what will be just the third time in his career. And I'm hoping that he does that because he's just got too good of a shot not to take advantage of it. And of course, you know, I mean, he, he's obviously one of the leaders on this team and uh, the Rangers are struggling to score goals right now. So when you've got somebody that's got a lethal shot as Panarin does, uh, I think you even more so than usual, want to see him uh, take advantage of it. And he is starting to shoot a little bit more, and uh, we'll, we'll see if he continues that going forward. But uh, the biggest thing about Artemi Panarin for me, you know, really ever since he's gotten here, all the way to current day, and again, we're in year four uh, with the bread man here, he makes players around him better. And that's something that, you know, not just in hockey, but really any sport kind of gets thrown around as a cliche from time to time. Oh, he makes guys better. He makes guys better. Um, Panarin really does it. You know, we, we've seen Panarin usually on the Rangers' second line since he's gotten here, and he seems to truly get the most out of all of his linemates, regardless of who's playing with him. I mean, the, the list goes on and on, whether it's an established superstar like Mika Zibanejad or a bottom six grinder like, say, Barclay Goodrow. Goodrow was kind of uh, feeling it and racking up some points when he got a chance to play with Panarin earlier this season. But pretty much everybody that's gotten a chance to play on the Panarin line since Panarin has been here has seen an uptick in their production. I think somebody that certainly comes to mind right away is Ryan Strom. Uh, Pavel Buchnevich is another. Obviously, neither of those two guys are here anymore, but I already mentioned Mika Zibanejad, and, and Mika's going to produce no matter who he's out there with, but I think him and Panarin certainly have good chemistry, and uh, you see what they do on the power play when they're out there together, even when they're not 5v5 line mates. Uh, great chemistry. Panarin has set him up for, you know, God only knows how many one-timers with uh, just some beautiful passes. So uh, I think Mika at times has benefited from playing with Panarin. Uh, Capo Caco at times, um, you know, I thought earlier this year, it's been a tough season for Alexi Lafreniere. I thought one of his best stretches of the season was when 
he was out there with Trocek and Panarin. It was kind of early in the season. Wasn't right at the start of the season. It was probably about five games in, you know, give or take. Um, but he he looked good. He looked dangerous there. And uh, maybe at some point they, they can try that again. Right now, uh, doesn't look like they're going to go in that direction. But I thought Lafreniere benefited at times earlier this season from playing with Panarin. And then you've got guys that, you know, aren't even really prototypical top six forwards, whether it was, you know, Colin Blackwell or Jesper Faust. Uh, Dryden Hunt was there for a while. Look, all those guys that I just mentioned, limited upside, um, not superstar players by any stretch, but all guys that I thought were at their best when playing with Artemi Panarin. And of course, this season, I think the two guys he's played with probably more than anybody else would be Trocek and uh, Kravtsov. And mixed results there. You know, Kravtsov's still kind of getting acclimated to the NHL. And, um, you know, I, I do think he's played better than his point total would suggest. And I, I think it's great that Panarin, you know, kind of took him under his wing and, um, you know, made Kravtsov seemingly feel a little bit more comfortable and made him feel welcome in the Ranger locker room, despite, you know, some of the things that he's pulled in the past. You know, he's he's kind of had a chilly relationship uh, with the Rangers in the front office, for sure. Uh, but that's been well documented in general and also on this podcast. And Trocek, you know, we already mentioned him. Uh, I, I do think they'll get there. You know, I, I have seen them link up for some good passes and some good goals at times this season. It doesn't seem to be quite as natural chemistry as Panarin had with, say, somebody like Ryan Strom. But then, you know, of course, Trocek is the better all-around player. But the bottom line is, I do think pretty much everybody who plays with Panarin, pretty much everybody I just mentioned there, uh, they tend to get a little bit of a boost. And I think their confidence also increases. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's a tremendous opportunity to play with Artemi Panarin. And he seems to find a way to make it work with everybody from a fellow superstar to a fourth-line grinder. You know, he'll find a way to get the most out of his line mates. And that's the biggest thing that I've always liked about uh, the Breadman uh, pretty much ever since he's been here. Um and, you know, another thing to keep in mind here, the Rangers at the deadline, I think one of the things that they are most likely to do is to bring in, you know, a bona fide top-notch right winger. And I think, you know, whoever comes in, I mean, that's probably where that individual might play. I feel like eventually the Rangers will go back to Mika and Kreider and Kako on the top line. You know, that line has really clicked uh Recently, I know they, everybody's kind of fallen off a little bit over the last four games or so because the Rangers just aren't scoring goals in general. But for the most part, that line was on fire. Uh, Kaka was playing the best that he had played thus far in his NHL career. So I think they'll go back to that. And I think that the right winger that the Rangers bring in, whoever it ends up being, and that's assuming that they, of course, do it, do that move. Um, but I, I think he'll end up on the Panarin line. I think he'll end up out there with Trocek and uh, with Panarin. And, and that player will certainly benefit from playing with Panarin, as many others have uh, in the past or even currently. As far as uh, Panarin's biggest uh, play of the season, I'm going to say it's the uh, primary assist that he had on the overtime game winner against the Devils. The Rangers won that game 4-3, to three, and he set up Philip Heedle, uh for the game winner. And the thing that I love here is, you know, Panarin's obviously known for being a very skillful player, and uh, he's, he's a magician out there. Just pure hustle on this play and, and sticking his nose in there defensively during three-on-three -three hockey. Got the puck away from Tatar, basically forced him into a turnover. Philip Hedl, uh receives the pass from Panarin, rings it off the post, the far post, and into the net. So a uh, great play there. Guy's an absolute magician in shootouts is Artemi Panarin. He's 4 for 4 uh, this season. Feels like they just can't stop him. No goalie has any answer for Artemi Panarin when it comes to a shootout. 
And I think overall, you know, Panarin has been better defensively this season as well. I realize uh, him and his entire line got called out by Gallant after the last game. And I thought Boston's first goal, uh, Panarin could have done a better job defending on it. Um, but for the most part, you know, I think he's been better this season, and I think that makes an impression on his teammates. He's at least twice this season single-handedly prevented a goal just by, you know, a stick check, just something to disrupt the play, hustling to get back, uh, whatever it might be. But uh, I think Panarin, you know, has stepped it up a little bit defensively as well. Uh, I sent out a tweet during one of the games, Panarin for Selkie, and it's obviously a little bit of an exaggeration, but I do think he's improved uh, in that area as well. And as far as the All-Star game itself, look, Artemi Panarin, he loves to have fun out there. He's got a big personality. I think he's the kind of player that the NHL should try to get into the limelight a little bit more often because, you know, he, again, a big personality, has fun playing the game. Uh, I think, you know, casual fans might gravitate to him. And uh, you put him in an All-Star game environment, I mean, I'm, I'm sure he's going to be having a blast out there and uh, making jokes and Maybe he'll be mic'd up for it. I think that could be a lot of fun. We'll see. But not too bad for somebody that uh, was undrafted uh, as far as the career that Artemi Panarin is, is putting together for himself. Uh, but anyway, we're going to keep rolling in just a second. I uh, want to definitely talk about Adam Fox and everything that he's done this season and why uh, you know he's a very deserving all-star in his own right. But first, just want to let everybody know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Athletic Greens. I started taking Athletic Greens about eight months ago because I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great, and I wanted to see what all the hype was about. Now I've been on it, like I said, for about eight months, and I absolutely love it. It doesn't taste like it's super healthy, has kind of a mild, tropical taste that I actually look forward to each morning. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and aptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, nervous system, immune system, energy recovery, focus, and aging. It is lifestyle friendly. Whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, it costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it is cheaper than your cold brew habit. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, we just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. And as promised, you know, we talked about the Breadman. Time to talk about the guy that, you know, is right up there as far as best defenseman in the NHL. Uh, and that is, of course, Adam Fox, who will be going uh, to his second straight All-Star game. Uh, two years ago, he won the Norris Trophy for best defenseman in the league, and I think uh, he'll be right in the mix this year as well. There's going to be some stiff competition. Uh, Carlson's numbers are just otherworldly, uh, for any player, really, but especially a defenseman, as far as what he's doing offensively. Uh, you got guys like Dalene, uh, Morrissey, McCarr. They're all going to be in the mix as well, and deservedly so, but uh, Fox should be right there, and I, I think he has a chance to, to pull it off. Uh, we shall see. going to be tough to uh, pass Carlson because— and we've talked about this before in the past as well, but uh, when it comes to defensemen, when you've got the amount of points that Carlson does and you're 10 or 12 points in front of the next 
defenseman with the next most points, uh, that's somebody that's probably going to win the Norris. But uh, we'll see how it all shakes out. Maybe Fox can make up some ground there. But bottom line, whether he wins the Norris or not, having a phenomenal season, 46 games, 9 goals, 36 assists. Uh, he was my pick for Rangers midseason MVP. And I say that with all due respect to guys like Panarin, guys like Igor Shesterkin, guys like Mika Zibanejad. But Adam Fox is just a total package and a guy who shows up to play every single night. So all those stats that I just mentioned, 45 points in 46 games. So he's right there as far as uh, points per game, which is always impressive no matter who you are, doubly so if you're a defenseman. Uh, but Fox this season is a plus 17, averaging 25.08 of ice time per night. His previous career high was two years ago, 24.42. So he looks uh, like he'll probably surpass that unless they, you know, maybe decrease his uh, ice time down the stretch if they're in a good spot as far as, uh, you know, the playoffs are concerned or whatever the situation might be. Uh, but we'll see. He looks like he will set a new uh, career high as far as time on the ice per night. Uh, he's also got 67 block shots, 17 hits. And uh, 43 takeaways against 43 giveaways. And I really think, and, you know, GMs are not going to admit this, especially those that, uh, you know, have an excellent defenseman of their own on their team. But I really think, man, you, you give all these GMs some, some truth serum, and they have to tell you who the top defenseman in the league is, who, if they could just push a button and have him on their team, who would it be? Who would be their choice for that player as far as defensemen around this league? I have to believe it would be Adam Fox. I mean, Fox is still so young and uh, just a tremendous all-around defenseman. The total package, really. And I, I say that once again with all due respect to guys like McCarr and, uh, you know, Carlson having a phenomenal season, Morrissey, everybody else. But, I mean, he does it all. And I think one of the best examples of that is you look at all the different ways that he contributes to the Rangers. Obviously, uh, he's going to lead the team in ice time almost every single night. You know, Truba maybe will do that once in a while. Maybe Andre Miller will get it once in a while. But for the most part, uh, Adam Fox is going to see more ice time than any player on this Ranger team, deservedly so, understandably so. Um, but he's obviously always going to be out there 5v5. The work that he does on special teams for the Rangers is nothing short of just outstanding. I mean, such a huge part of both units. Uh, for me on the penalty kill, from, from what I've seen this year, uh, him and Lindgren, to me, should be the top option as far as the PK is concerned. And of course, you know, defensemen, pretty much every defenseman is going to get, you know, at least some time on the PK. Um, you know, obviously with the Rangers, they'll look for their big four, Fox, Lindgren, Miller, Truba. But I think Fox excels uh, in that department uh, more more so than anybody on the uh, on the Rangers and maybe more so than anybody in hockey as far as uh, defensemen are concerned. Uh, just defends very, very well out there. Doesn't dish out a ton of punishing hits or anything like that, but you never get this guy caught out of position, uh, 5v5 or on the penalty kill. And he's obviously a huge part of the Ranger power play. And we've talked a little bit about uh, the Rangers' struggles on the man advantage recently. I believe it's now one for their last 26. And man, when you look at the personnel that the Rangers can put out there on their top power play unit, they should never be going through a one for 26. Uh, but that is the deal right now. I have to believe that eventually the Rangers will come out of it because, again, when you just look at the personnel that's there and you've got Adam Fox running point, and we saw how good he can be in that role uh, certainly last season and a little bit this season as well, uh, you just got to think sooner or later they're going to snap out of it. And when they do, you know, it could be one of those situations where, you know, once the avalanche starts, it just keeps going and going. So uh, we'll keep our fingers crossed there. But, I mean, his ice vision, his passing just off the charts, I honestly wish he would shoot a little bit more because uh, he's got a good shot as well. Um, but both those uh, attributes, you know, the vision and just the, the crisp passes that he can make, those serve him very well in the power play. And like I said, I feel like it's only a matter of time before that unit picks it up, gets rolling again, and uh, starts looking like the Ranger power play that we all know and love. And when that happens, you got to figure it's going to be Adam Fox, um, you know, leading the charge there. 
But what's crazy to me, you know, you look at these box scores and, you know, you, you have a pretty good idea of how the game went. And of course, without even looking and honestly, before the game is even played, you get the feeling that, okay, Adam Fox is going to be up there as far as time on the ice. He will probably lead the way for the Rangers. But what always stands out for me is, and of course, this, this depends on how many power plays each team gets per night. You know, if it's one of those nights where there's only two power plays, then um, it's going to affect this stat. But uh, if it's a game where there's about an average number of, you know, power play opportunities for each team, you're going to see Adam Fox with like six, seven, eight minutes of special times or special teams time per game. And it's crazy because, you know, th there's certain games where he'll have more time on the ice just for special teams than certain forwards might get, com you know, total ice time. You know, especially if you're like a fourth liner on the Rangers, like, you know, Blay or Brodzinski. And of course, Brodzinski was placed on waivers. We'll talk about that in a little bit as well. But man, I mean, Adam Fox, again, just the total package. He does it all for this team. And uh, I could not be happier uh, that he's getting the recognition that he deserves and that he is going back uh, to the All-Star game for the second straight year. And something else that I, I got to throw out there, he has some of the most like casual multi-point games of like any player in the NHL. You know, a game will happen and Adam Fox will be his usual excellent self. And you know, human nature, you almost start to take it for granted at least a little bit. And then you'll look at the box score after the game and it's like, oh yeah, Adam Fox with two assists or Adam Fox with three assists or Adam Fox with a goal and an assist. It's like, it's just like clockwork. You know, once the game is over, Fox is going to be on the score sheet. And in a lot of cases, uh, he's going to have multiple points. We've seen a couple of multi-point games for Fox fairly recently. Uh, as far as uh, his biggest play of the season, I'm going to say, it, obviously, there's some recency bias here. But I, I think just about everyone will agree with me on this one. Uh, the recent overtime winner against the Dallas Stars. Obviously, the whole thing is set up by Keandre Miller scoring uh, with less than a second remaining, ties the game at one to one. Then it goes into overtime. You get this wild scramble in front of the Dallas net. Panarin's there. Mika's there. Fox is there. Just complete chaos. Panarin eventually gains control of the puck, slides it over to Fox. Uh, Fox pulls it to his backhand and scores into the far side of the net. Uh, just a fantastic win for the Rangers and Adam Fox right in the middle of it. So uh, that was awesome. I think eventually, uh, you know, while we're talking about Fox here, something else that I just wanted to throw out there. I think eventually the Fox-Miller pairing is going to happen. And I've kind of resisted this just because I think Fox and Lundgren complement each other so well. You know, they, they play so well together. There's such great chemistry there. Uh, my understanding is they're also roommates, or at least they were for a time. So uh, those two are really close. And uh, Keandre Miller, more than once, has given a lot of credit to Jacob Truba uh, for his development in the NHL and for feeling like he belonged uh, right away and, you know, getting to where he's gotten so far. But uh, I think eventually, whether it's this year and, you know, we've, we've seen it a couple of times this year, but eventually the Fox-Miller pairing probably will happen. Uh, we've seen the Rangers go to that pairing late in games when they're trailing by a goal, which I think makes a ton of sense because they're both very dynamic and uh, offensively gifted defensemen. But, you know, sooner or later, that might eventually become more of a permanent fixture. And I'm not going to push for it to happen right now for all the reasons that I just mentioned. But, yeah, eventually we're going to get Fox and Miller, and that's going to be a ton of fun uh, when it does happen. And one last thought for Adam Fox that I'll leave you guys with here. So here's how you know that he's a truly amazing player because the Rangers right now, you know, they're up against the salary cap and, you know, they can make a move or two, you know, going into the deadline this season, maybe three moves, depending on the contract of the players that they're acquiring. But, you know, there's all these questions going into the offseason about what the Rangers are going to do to open up some cap space and how much money are they going to have to give to this player? How much money are they going to have to give to that player? What are they going to do? Are there some contracts that they can offload that are a little bit too expensive that you can trade away? And whenever this conversation comes up, 
I think most Ranger fans look right to Jacob Truba because he's making $8 million a season, and they think he's overpaid, and, and we can use that money in different places, the whole nine yards. Um, but he's got a no-move clause. He's the New York Ranger captain. Uh, that's not going to happen. Uh, even some fans will look at Artemi Panarin and the fact that he's making $11.64 million per season. By the way, both these players have no-move clauses, but we'll, we'll just roll with it here. So um, Panarin, $11.64 million per season. They wonder, you know, certain fans wonder, would he accept a trade? Would the Rangers consider moving him to just open up a whole boatload of, of cap space? But it's Artemi Panarin. You know, I certainly don't want to lose him. I would think most fans don't want to lose him either. Then you go to like second tier guys, you know, Barclay Goodrow making $3.64 million per season. I've mentioned him as a possibility uh, in the offseason as somebody that could be on the move. Uh, Kreider at $6.5 million. Certain Ranger fans kind of look at him every now and then and they wonder, ah, should we trade him now before he gets too old and can't get anything for him? He's got a no move clause as well. Um, but nobody, the, the point that I'm bringing this up is nobody looks at Adam Fox, the guy who's making $9.5 million per season, and thinks that he should be traded. I, I don't think I've ever seen that even suggested, even floated as a possibility by a single Ranger fan on Twitter. And as we all know, uh, all of us Ranger fans, we can have knee-jerk reactions to certain things. We'll come up with some ideas that might be a little bit out there. Nobody but nobody has suggested or even floated the idea of ever moving Adam Fox uh, to open up some cap space. And Fox is the one superstar player and the one highly paid player on this team that right now, at least, does not have a no-move clause. And that's an option that is not even on the table uh, for any Ranger fan anywhere. And I think that tells you uh, just how good he is and how happy Ranger fans are with him and how much he earns every single dime of that $9.5 million per season. Just a phenomenal defenseman and uh, could not be happier to see him uh, going back to the All-Star game. But uh, we're going to keep rolling in just a second here. Got a couple other things to talk about. Want to talk about uh, the new look line combinations for the New York Rangers, uh, which we kind of had a feeling was on the way. And also going to talk about, uh, I kind of gave it away earlier, so I'll just give it away now too. And of course, you could always look at the episode description and know uh, what's on the way here. But Johnny Brodzinski placed on waivers uh, and we'll see if he clears, and Julian Gauthier activated from the IR. But we're going to discuss all that stuff in uh, in just a quick second here. But first, just got to let everybody know, today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by FanDuel. The NFL playoffs are here. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. New customers join today to get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props. Plus, you can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a super with a same game parlay, all on an app that is safe, secure, and super easy to use. So football fans, do not miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right, so I uh, just want to keep everything rolling here and uh, talk a little bit about uh, the Ranger line combinations here at practice. You had, uh, and I would imagine these would be the same line combinations that we see on Monday against the Panthers. I don't think they would, you know, switch lines in practice and then switch back to what they were doing in the previous game. So it's probably what it's going to be on Monday night. Uh, top line, 
as I mentioned briefly earlier in today's episode, uh, left to right, Panarin, Mika, and Kreider. Um, so they have gone back to the uh, concept of stacking the top line. And then you've got two lines, and I'm not really sure which one is the second line and which one is the third line. I, I did see uh, Vince Mercogliano sent out a tweet that had the second line, uh, left to right, VZ, Trocek, and Goodrow. And then the third line is the kid line, reunited for the 90th time, uh, Lafreniere, Hedl, and Kako. Uh, Brodzinski was skating as an extra on the kid line, and he's been subsequently waived, and we will talk about that in just a second as well. Then you had a fourth line that was uh, a combination of four players, Kraftsoff, LeCision, Blay, and Gautier. Uh, my thoughts here, with the VZ, Trojak, and Goodrow line, I'm not really a fan of putting all three of those players together, and I like what all three of those guys bring to the table. You know, they've got uh, good defensive, you know, prowess for, for being forwards, but that's just it. You know, there's too much redundancy on that line. These are like your, your three of your top uh, defensive forwards, and you're putting them all together, and I just don't know that there's enough scoring punch there, especially if that truly is uh, the second line and the line that is going to get, you know, second line minutes. Um, I don't know. I, like I said, I like all three of those guys, and maybe this line will click brilliantly, and they'll go off and, and all have multi-point nights against the Panthers, and then I'll come back on here and say I'm not ever going to question Gallant again. But I don't know. There, there's just too much, like I said, redundancy. Uh, all three of those players are a little bit too similar, and there's not enough offense from any of them. So not the biggest fan of, of that trio. I like all three players, just not all three of them on the same line, and especially, once again, if that's going to be truly the second line. As for the kid line being back together, I mean, look, they're trying to get these guys going. Uh, Kako is on fire. He's, you know, quieted down the last couple of games. I mean, so is everybody because the Rangers just aren't scoring goals, but uh, maybe that line can give them a little bit of a spark. Maybe that's what they're looking for. Obviously, Lafreniere is really up against it right now. He's been struggling. Uh, you just don't really notice him out there, but uh, I do think at times, and certainly in the playoffs last year, um, he's gotten it going when playing with Hedl and Kako. And Hedl, you know, uh, having probably the best season of his career, but he's been quiet too. And again, I, I keep saying this, but every player on the Rangers has been quiet recently, at least in terms of uh, scoring, because the Rangers just aren't scoring goals recently. And as for the fourth line, I mean, I got to figure Gautier is going to be back in there. They just activated him from the IR, and he's had his best season so far as a Ranger, and maybe he can give you a little bit of depth scoring, put the puck in the net. Um, LeCision, I, I think, has played fairly well, you know, in very limited ice time. Had a chance to score off of a pass from Brodzinski uh, in the most recent game. Uh, drew a penalty the game before that. So he's done all right for himself. Uh, I think he'll be there. I was going to say Kraftsoff will be out there. And then I'm thinking about it. And I'm like, they're going to go with Blay, aren't they? I would not be shocked to see Kraftsoff as the healthy scratch. Given Galant's comments about the second line after this most recent game, and also given the fact that he dropped uh, Kraftsoff off of the second line, dropped in, uh, down to the fourth line, uh, flip-flopped him with Jimmy Vesey. So... I don't know. I feel like it should be Blay, but I feel like it's probably going to end up being Krasov, possibly being a healthy scratch uh, for this next game. But we shall see. Uh, could go either way. And then the only other thing that I want to talk about here before we call it a day is, uh, once again, Johnny Brodzinski being placed on waivers. Uh, not the first time he's been waived. Probably won't be the last one. And as I mentioned earlier, I, I hope he clears. Uh, if he does clear waivers, he'll go back to the Hartford Wolfpack, where I can only assume he would once again be the captain of that team. But, you know, this is just kind of the life of an NHL, AHL swingman. You know, you get caught up every so often. Uh, if the coaching staff needs, you know, a veteran who steady pair of hands, you know, not going to make a lot of mistakes, not going to be blinded by the lights or anything like that. Um, just somebody that can kind of come in and be uh, a little bit of a, a filler piece. Uh, so far this season for Brodzinski, 
16 games with the Rangers, one goal, one assist. He is a plus three in that time while averaging nine minutes and 21 seconds of ice time. He now has 100 career NHL regular season games. Um, but I do feel for Bradzinski. You know, he, he's played with the Kings. He's played with the Sharks. He's now played with the Rangers. He has never played in more than 35 games in an NHL season. So he's never even played uh, half of a season. And it's got to be really frustrating. You know, on one hand, whether he's in the NHL or the AHL, uh, he is playing professional hockey for a living. So that's awesome. But obviously not, you know, doing quite as well for himself as some of his peers. And, you know, just from a, a playing standpoint, it's going to drive you crazy. To, to be good enough to play in the NHL, to play one game in the NHL is a tremendous accomplishment for anybody who's ever been able to accomplish that feat. But to be in this situation with, with Brodzinski, where you're always like the 13th or 14th or 15th best forward option that your team has, and as a result of that, you're a healthy scratch or you're only caught up for a couple of games and you're sent back down or you're placed on waivers, whatever the case might be, uh, it's got to drive you crazy to a certain extent because you're right there. You know, you're right on the cusp of being an NHL player who actually sticks in the lineup. And, you know, there's always just one or two or three guys that are just a little bit ahead of you and in your way, and, you know, you can't stick on an NHL roster. But uh, we'll see what happens with Brodzinski. Like I said, I, I do hope um, that he clears waivers and he can go back up uh, to being the NHL, AHL swingman that the Rangers, you know, seem to like to, you know, move back and forth between the Wolfpack and uh, the NHL uh, squad. But we shall see there. Uh, no word yet on as far as he's been, if he's been claimed or anything like that. Um, but that will do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. And definitely subscribe to Locked On New York Rangers YouTube channel. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time.